Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 53, part 1. Sex Trafficking of Children, Risk Factors and Experiences. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archive. This brief research review discusses trafficking of children, specifically commercial sexual exploitation. Focus will be placed on risk factors for commercial sexual exploitation and the narrative experiences of youth who have been sexually trafficked. Introduction Terminology In the relevant literature, authors tend to use person-first language, such as youth who have been trafficked, and or the terms victim or survivor to describe this population. One article explicitly used these terms to convey different meanings. Victim to refer to youth experiencing ongoing trafficking, and survivor to refer only to those who had been trafficked in the past. To remain consistent with the language used from published literature, this research review will use both victim and survivor, along with person-first terms, to describe children and youth exploited through trafficking, whether in the past or ongoing at the time of the study. Trafficking is the recruitment, transportation, harboring, and or exercising control over the movements of a person in order to exploit that person. It is a severe form of exploitation and a violation of human rights. This severe exploitation includes the prostitution of others, other forms of sexual exploitation, forced labor, slavery or practices similar to slavery, and or the removal of organs. Note that international transportation is not required for these activities to be considered trafficking. Specific to individuals under the age of 18, any of the listed forms of exploitation are considered trafficking regardless of the means used. This means that no force, abduction, coercion, or deception is needed to consider the activities trafficking. This means that any child who is under the age of 18 who is involved in commercial sex trades like prostitution, strip dancing, or pornography are considered trafficked, even if the youth describes the arrangement as voluntary. This is a relatively new perspective for social service and law enforcement agencies. Until recently, teens involved in prostitution and other sex trades were largely viewed as juvenile delinquents. Now, instead of being viewed solely as criminals, discussion of these youth as victims has also increased. Trafficking is a difficult concept to measure. Factors such as the inherently covert and transient nature of trafficking, differing laws and terminology between regions, ethical issues regarding researching vulnerable populations, and the reluctance of survivors to disclose their experiences, often due to fear, trauma, and or not viewing themselves as victims, make researching this topic difficult. As a result, there are very few rigorous studies on trafficking available. Much of the published literature is qualitative or non-experimental by design. This review will focus on the qualitative literature along with the select experimental and quasi-experimental studies available. Further, Although trafficking can include non-sexual exploitation such as forced labor or the removal of organs, most of the information available on child trafficking is related to sexual exploitation. Therefore, the remainder of this research review will focus on exploitation of children that is sexual in nature. Currently, there are no valid prevalence estimates of child sex trafficking in Canada. 
Although not necessarily generalizable to Canada, one American study examined the prevalence of commercial sexual exploitation, or trafficking, of children involved with the child welfare system within one U.S. state. From almost 700,000 children registered in the state's child welfare database, 563 of the children had been exposed to sex trafficking, resulting in a rate of about 8 in 10,000. Although this is one of the largest prevalence studies conducted in the U.S., it is still only one state, not the entire country. It is also limited by relying on child welfare workers' reports. There may be inconsistencies in reporting between workers and or over time, and the study can only capture the reported cases of trafficking. Children whose exploitation was not reported or discovered by authorities was not captured in any prevalence reports. Key Definitions Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children, CSEC. CSEC refers to sex trafficking of minors. This term describes sexual activities with a child in exchange for something of value, like financial gain or shelter. CSEC may include pornography, prostitution, child marriage, and the use of children in strip dancing or live sex shows, among with other forms of sexual abuse. This term describes both domestic and international trafficking. Domestic Minor Sex Trafficking, DMST. DMST is a type of commercial sexual exploitation specifically used to describe children and youth trafficked within their country of origin, as opposed to those trafficked across national borders. CSEC and DMST are both commonly used terms in the research, DMST especially with American studies. Survival Sex a form of exploitation whereby children or youth exchange sexual services for basic needs such as food or shelter. Youth who do not have secure housing may be more vulnerable to exploitation and therefore may be forced or coerced to engage in sex exchanges to meet their basic needs. Thinking critically. How well do the provided definitions match your understanding of the issue? Is there anything that surprises you about what trafficking does or does not entail? Do you have experience supporting children who have been exploited in one or more of these ways? Research questions. The following two questions were developed to guide the research review. These questions guide how the literature is explored and which studies are grouped together by methodology. One, which factors increase the risk of children being commercially sexually exploited? Two, what are the subjective experiences of youth who experience commercial sexual exploitation? Which factors increase the risk of a child being commercially sexually exploited? FAQs. Who is most at risk or most vulnerable to being sex trafficked? How do children become involved in commercial sexual exploitation? Methods matter. This is an association question. This type of question explores factors that predict or change an outcome. Correlational studies, systematic reviews, and randomized control trials, RCTs, would be the best research designs for this type of question. These types of methodologies can describe the relationship between factors, including the strength of the relationship and, for RCTs and systematic reviews, the relationship's direction. Although trafficking is a complex and non-linear process, there are several child, family, and situational characteristics that increase the risk of children being commercially sexually exploited. Many of the studies analyzing CSEC risk factors have done so retrospectively. 
Researchers examine characteristics of youth who have been commercially sexually exploited and use these characteristics to determine the original risk factors. Although informative, this method makes it difficult to separate which characteristics increase the risk of being trafficked versus which are a result of the trafficking. For example, substance abuse tends to co-occur with commercial sexual exploitation, but it is unclear whether youth who abuse alcohol or drugs are at an increased risk of being trafficked or whether the youth who have been trafficked are more likely to abuse alcohol or drugs as a result of the trafficking. Furthermore, retrospective research has the potential for significant bias as memories are fallible and then can lead to significant measurement error. Vulnerability factors. The following early life factors have been shown to increase vulnerability to becoming commercially sexually exploited as a child. These include histories of involvement with the child welfare system and or previous allegations of sexual abuse, unstable home or exposure to commercial sex trades and or parental substance abuse in the home, running away or being kicked out of their home of residence, living in foster care and or youth residential facilities, poverty or material need, and developmental disabilities or issues related to the child's developmental age. Among these factors, a history of maltreatment was mentioned in virtually all the studies that discussed risk factors for CSEC or characteristics of survivors. These risk factors have been found across rural, suburban, and metropolitan communities, as well as across multiple service settings. Recruitment Pathways there are many ways in which a child can become involved in sex trafficking, including different types of relationships that the child has to the person perpetrating the exploitation and the methods used to recruit the child into exploitation. The most frequently reported recruitment pathway for commercial sexual exploitation is through familial sex trafficking. Typically, this type of exploitation involves parents facilitating sexual exchanges between their child and a client who pays for the sexual exchange with money or drugs. In a study of over 500 children who had been referred to the state's child protection services for allegations of trafficking, about 40% of these cases were reported as perpetrated by the parent. When caregiver-facilitated exploitation included the child's step-parent or other relative in addition to the parent, however, familial trafficking accounted for slightly over 50% of the trafficking cases. The remaining cases involved exploitation by someone outside of a caregiving role to the child. These non-caregivers could be the same age or older peers, intimate partners, acquaintances, or strangers. Although very few studies have examined gender-specific risk factors to being commercially sexually exploited, there is early evidence to show that boys and girls may have overlapping, but not identical, vulnerabilities to being recruited into commercial sex trades. Familial sex trafficking is a common recruitment method for both boys and girls, as is commercial sexual exploitation to support one's own substance abuse. However, in a study about sex-specific characteristics of CSCC survivors, boys were much more likely than girls to have been recruited by a stranger, whereas girls were more likely than boys to have been recruited by a boyfriend-type intimate partner. The majority of studies examine gender as a binary and static characteristic versus exploring transgender, gender neutrality, or fluidity. Recruitment by an intimate partner is often facilitated by technology. Individuals who perpetrate the trafficking may seek and recruit vulnerable girls using the internet. They might also use the internet to purchase or sell pornography involving children and or purchase services from trafficked children. Certain populations have been discussed in the literature as having unique or increased vulnerabilities to being sex trafficked. 
These include populations of Indigenous youth, youth with LGBTQ identities, and girls with developmental and intellectual disabilities. One study proposed that Canadian Indigenous girls are vulnerable to trafficking due to factors such as racism, poverty, isolation, substance use, and the legacy of colonialism and residential schools. Another study discusses how girls with developmental disabilities might have lower awareness of exploitation and a reduced ability to report on exploitative experiences. Perpetrators of trafficking may also specifically seek out girls that are perceived as easier to manipulate, such as girls with developmental disabilities. Thinking critically. Are these the factors you would expect? Based on your experiences, are there any other factors that you would add as a potential risk or predictor of exploitation? What would your level of concern be if you encountered a child with some or all of these risk factors? What are the subjective experiences of youth who have experienced commercial sexual exploitation? FAQs. How do survivors of CSCC describe their experiences? How are these experiences similar to, or different from, those of children who have experienced different forms of maltreatment. Methods matter. This is an experiences question. This type of question aims to explore the perceptions and experiences of a person or a group of people. Qualitative methodologies such as interviews and focus groups are typically used to answer this type of question. That is analyzing data through themes and stories instead of statistics. Although not generalizable, qualitative studies can provide depth and richness to the information. Quantitative methods such as systematic reviews or correlational studies are also suited to answer this type of question. Several studies have explored the experiences of girls who have been sex trafficked. Through interviews and focus groups, researchers have gathered survivor stories that included narratives of severe early life maltreatment, vulnerabilities to being exploited, experiences of trauma and violence throughout exploitation, and, when applicable, resilience factors that enabled the girls to exit or escape their exploitative situation. Using narrative analysis, Chechid and Thoburn interviewed six female survivors of childhood sex trafficking. All participants referenced early life maltreatment, like early childhood sexual abuse, as an experience that led to an underlying vulnerability to being recruited into sex trafficking. Participants also described a desire to feel loved, engagement in unsafe relationships, and exposure to prostitution through their family or in their neighborhood as factors that increase their vulnerability to being exploited. A common shared experience of the interviewed survivors was a history of extreme violence during their involvement in commercial sex. Violence arose from those organizing the sex exchanges, or pimps, as well as those paying for the sex, also called johns. The survivors disclosed a range of traumatic violent experiences that included routine humiliations, assault with and without weapons, attempted murders, rapes, kidnappings, and other atypical sex acts. Survivors also described systemic isolation, loneliness, and fear, as well as feelings of detachment and mistrust of others as a result of their trauma. All survivors disclosed having engaged in substance misuse often as a numbing agent to cope with their traumatic experiences. The women also described experiences that served as catalysts for exiting their situations, including pregnancies and abortions, severe mental health symptoms, and or spirituality, or seeking support from a higher power. 
Williams interviewed 24 female adolescents who had experienced commercial sexual exploitation or were at high risk of commercial sexual exploitation. That is, the youth had run away, were homeless, and or living on the street. Through these interviews, the author uncovered themes of harm and hurt, coping, and survival. The participants spoke of harm through accounts of family violence, extensive histories of physical, sexual, and emotional abuse, being abandoned, unloved, or thrown away, and witnessing extreme violence against others. Interestingly, none of the participants spoke of themselves as being permanently harmed or damaged. Instead, they spoke of the hurt they experienced alongside accounts of coping and survival. Survival was also described as a key aspect of everyday life. The participants provided narratives of using strategies to stay alive and meet basic needs, balancing competing risks, and making difficult choices for the sake of survival, as well as gaining independence and moving out of the control of a third-party exploiter despite fear and significant risks to their safety. Although male and transgendered CSCC survivors have been interviewed about their exploitation, no published studies are available that spoke specifically to these young people's experiences. Thinking critically. How are these experiences similar to or different from the experiences of children you have supported who have been victimized in other ways? What is unique about the trafficking survivors? When interpreting these experiences, it is important to note that all accounts provided describe prior experiences of exploitation, not ongoing. Although this is unavoidable from an ethical standpoint, the retrospective nature of these interviews means that the participants may recall experiences differently at the time of the interview than how they had been interpreted at the time of occurrence, especially if a long time has passed since the end of their exploitation. Recall of traumatic experiences is prone to error. Further, only the experiences of individuals who have exited exploitation are reported. Individuals who continue to be exploited or do not interact with service providers or researchers may have different experiences. Conclusion This research review summarized relevant literature on risk factors for commercial sexual exploitation of children and the experiences of children and youth who had been exploited in this way. Practitioners may wish to apply this knowledge of predisposing risk factors and recruitment pathways into CSCC when assessing harm or risk of harm while understanding that every situation requires critical thinking and application of research. It is possible for a child to have all of the risk factors for CSEC and not be trafficked, as it is also possible for a child to have none of the above discussed risk factors and still be exploited. Literature on the experiences of children who have experienced commercial sexual exploitation is limited and mostly focused on the experiences of girls. The narratives of CSCC survivors were characterized by violence and extensive histories of maltreatment, along with stories of strength, survival, and resilience. Practitioners may consider applying this knowledge to approach situations of suspected or confirmed exploitation with increased understanding, keeping in mind that all individuals' experiences are unique. For a research review of commercial sexual exploitation of children, screening tools, and interventions, please refer to the second part of this particle, entitled Trafficking of Children, Identification and Intervention, available on the Park Canada website.
You have been listening to the Partcast series, episode 53, part 1, Sex Trafficking of Children, Risk Factors and Experiences. The Partcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a Canadian membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information on this episode's topic or other episodes in the Partcast series, please visit www.partcanada.org.